Hello everyone, and we are back for another round. This is NerdPod Generations episode 14. I am one of your hosts, Steve Taylor, along with my partner in crime. Hi, friends and enemies. Alfred Jetsum. What's up? What's up, buddy? How's it going? What's Good up, with you? I know you've had a, know you've a, had a long week. It's been a, it's been a bit of a week. Um, there's family stuff going on, unfortunately. Um, but and that's all we'll say about that. Yeah. Um, but that's why we're a little late. Uh, yeah, it is. It is Thursday night. Um, I know you, those of you listening probably don't really care what night of the week we're recording it. No. You just know that it'll be probably Friday. It'll it'll go up tomorrow yeah. at some point, or even tonight um, late. But well, you will get your your date your weekly fix of us. Yes. Yes. Well, the flip side of this is that I, we now have two episodes of Loki to talk about. No, I didn't watch the new one yet. Uh, 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 oh, I haven't watched the new I'm one yet. I'm ahead of you. You're uh, ahead of me. I fell asleep last night, so we only have the one to talk about. That's fine. Um, I got plenty to talk about. Which I one. know it's going to probably be weird because I, we're going to talk about episode two of Loki, and you're going to be probably chomping at the bit to talk about episode three. You know, I'm not going to say anything about it one way or another. Yeah. I don't want to, I, you know, I don't want to want to got that goofy you. smile on your face. I got, like I'm trying to play it as cool as possible. <sighs> All right, folks. Well, this is once again, is nerd pod generations. This is episode 14. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, anchor, and other miscellaneous podcast sites. And Apple is by far the most listened to podcast site for our podcast. I believe two thirds of it is on Apple Podcasts, uh, so we love you, Apple Podcasts. Yes, um, we we do. We both. No, equally. don't don't give me that look. I know you <laughs> want to go on your Apple rant. Um, I'm not going to go on anywhere. Ah, you're just Star Wars. Um, so uh, real quick, what are you currently reading, watching, playing, all the above? Uh, I've been playing uh, the DLC for Hyrule Warriors. Nice. Uh, Age of Calamity came out, and so me and my wife have been playing through that. Nice. Longtime Dynasty Warriors fan. And uh, that is just, it's the weirdest combination of things. Like if 14-year-old me knew yeah. that this was going to it be It works thing, so good. It's surprising it's how good so it works. so good. And like the Age of Calamity on its own is also a surprisingly depth-filled game. Yes. It's like a full prequel. Yes. and Which is... Very Warriors. rare in the Dynasty Warrior yeah. mythos, let's say. Because like the, the, I remember the first uh, Hyrule Warriors, there wasn't really a story. It was no. just an excuse to put a bunch of characters into a game. Yeah. Um, and But this is like this is a real thing. So we've been enjoying that, and uh, we watched Luca, the new Pixar movie. Oh, yeah. My kids have watched that. I haven't yeah. watched it yet. Yeah, it's excellent. Is it good? It's very, very good. I it's very, see. very good. i got to watch it. Yeah. It's driving me nuts. It's very sweet. It's uh, Pixar's... Love letter to Miyazaki in Italy, all okay. rolled into one. It's very well done. Nice. All all aspects of it are really well done, and it's it has that trademark uh, Pixar like you feel warm and fuzzy while oh. you're watching it. It's also a little darker in some ways. Like there's like actual, I heard that about it. There's actual like physical violence yeah. <laughs> between characters, which is a weird thing to see sometimes, but. Um, yeah, I well, like Pixar right now is getting outshined by the regular Disney Animation Studios, so they need to start picking it back up again. Uh, yeah, Because Disney They're Animation has been kicking its ass recently. Yeah. Like, Raya, is it Raya? Raya. Raya, The Last Dragon. Dragon. That's yeah. a Disney Animation. Before that, you had movies like Coco and, yeah. and uh, Moana and all them, so they're just getting their butts kicked. Um, for me, I haven't really been watching much because I've been doing a lot of writing, but I have watched something. The broad tear to my eye, mm-hmm. and that was the teaser trailer for the next season of Star Trek Picard. Yeah. Now Picard, f- for those of you who don't know, is a spinoff of the Next Generation series. It takes place was it's, it's been like seventeen years since the Star Trek Nemesis, oh, wow. so seventeen years since John Luke Picard's yeah. character, and the first season was awesome because it was a very hard edge Star Trek show. There was swearing, they were dropping F-bombs, it was violent, it was awesome. Make it fucking so. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> it was pretty close. Um, well, the second season just had a teaser trailer, uh-huh. and the first, let's, okay, the second voice you hear, the first voice that isn't Picard's, belongs to Q. And for those of you who do not know, John Delancey played one of the greatest Star Trek villains ever named Q, who is this omnipotent being who was in the very first episode of yes, Next Generation. Is. 
And then he was peppered throughout the series. And Q is going to be part of this series, along with, she wasn't in the teaser, but it's known that she's part of it. Whoopi Goldberg's character, Guinan, hey. is also going to be in this in this season. Hey. So I'm ecstatic. Because yeah. I love Q. I Q's just, great. Oh my god, that interaction, I can't wait to hear like how they talk to each other. You know, Picard's old. Q, you know, he looks like John Delancey, who's yeah. old now. So I'm kind of wondering how they're going to work that into, because supposedly he's a godlike creature who yeah. shouldn't really age. So I, I'm curious to see how they do that. And he looked middle-aged before. Yes. So it's not too far for them to, like... You could probably de-age him with some level of makeup. Well, and they did a decent job. They de-aged <clears throat> Patrick Stewart in the beginning of the last season of Picard. And they did a really good job. Like, yeah. they don't... They're not sparing any expense on this show. Like, it is a very high-quality special effect. Nice. You know... Bringing back some, the last season had um, Riker and Troy, which was awesome, mm-hmm. and Data a little bit. Oh. Did you watch the last season? Of I haven't, because I don't have CBS All Access, so uh, I haven't seen it Well, yet. you know, for my birthday, I did buy the Blu-ray version, so I will let you borrow those. Oh, that would be a, that would be a because it is opportunity. Phenomenal. Yes. Uh, but like I said, just hearing John Delancey's voice and then seeing him, and it starts off by him saying, Moi Capitan, how I missed oh, no. you. And you're like, oh my god, you hear his voice. It's like, you know, the one thing I love about Star Trek is it has some of the most iconic voices. Yeah. Be it Q, be it um, Leonard Nimoy as Spock. Um, even, um, I love the guy that, and I can't remember his name to, to save my life, that played um, Sarek, Spock's father in all of the original movies. Okay, yeah. His voice also had that, and something about it that was just like, I hear it, and you're like, yeah. oh, that's Star Trek. Yeah, it has that you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I think of uh, Michael Dorf. Warf. Oh, it's Worf, yeah. yeah. That's another yeah. one. Same with um, Cisco from uh, Deep Space Nine. I didn't see Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like kind of side-by-side side with um, the Next Generation because the guy that runs this broken-down space station, Deep Space Nine, he was traveling with his wife and son, and it's not really spoilers because it's old. The wife gets killed while they were trying to escape from when um, Picard was being saved by the Borg. And they were like bombarding, and all the ships showed up, and everyone was getting. And Cisco's ship with his wife on it took damage, and she died, and his son. So he kind of hates Picard, but then Worf ends up joining his crew on the space station, huh. along with. Um, oh, why can't I think of his name right now? O'Brien. Oh yeah, the, who, the, who usually the just ran the yeah. yeah just ran the um, the teleporter the guy. teleporter, but he became like one of the main engineers in the show. Yeah, and it's a really great show. Like it's I highly recommend if you have a Netflix, you just have nothing to watch. Put up Deep Space Nine. I gotta watch. It's darker too, yeah. a lot darker. Is yeah. that is that the one with Scott Bakula? Scott Bakula is Enterprise. Enterprise. I have a love hate relationship with Enterprise. Yeah, it was a really I enjoyed it. It did end abruptly. Yeah, just ran out of because they got canceled. Yeah, and they were like, "Shit, we got it. We you know we can't just leave everyone hanging." It was like one of those cancellations that they knew ahead of time, and they're like, "Fuck, all right, we need to." We have just enough time to plan. Yeah, we need to plan and then just end it and and finish it off. It was good. It's not going to blow you away. I hate the theme song because they got away from like the Star Trek theme songs, and it's more of like a sound like an '80s pop ballad kind oh, of theme no. song. It's not good. But, you know, I love me some Bacula. I do yeah. love uh, Quantum Leap's one of my favorite shows ever. And uh, a very underrated movie, uh, The Lord of Illusion. I don't know this one. I believe it is a John Carpenter. Oh, really? Um, and he plays this cop that gets caught up in this... There's like a magician and black magic and this guy that gets brought back from the dead who's like a cult leader. And it's, it's actually a really good movie. And it was... Very dark because it came like right at the tail end of Quantum Leap, mm-hmm. and then you have him jumping into this really dark, like horror movie with I believe was it the first thing it was it, possibly the first thing Famke Jansen ever did. Oh wow! Okay, she plays the one of the characters' love interests in it. Um, 
Let me just look up real quick. Lord yeah. of Illusions. Yeah, I I never I never got bad past nineteen ninety five. Yeah, no, it's Clive Barker did the screenplay. Let me look up here. Um, I just want to get this right. You know, I really like this movie, and I don't unfortunately have every thing in my mind. No, it was a Clive Barker movie. Okay, yeah, it wasn't. Um, what's his face? It's, it was Clive it Barker, was same it? guy that did um, Hellraiser. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety five. I think that was before Goldeneye. So I believe this would be Famke Jansen's. Like, one of her first, yeah. like, main mainstream movies. Yeah, because I, I think uh, The Faculty was, like, 97, 98, I Oh, wait say. a second. No, they were the same year. Goldeneye really? and Lord of Illusions was in 95. Ah. So she was in both movies in the same year. Big year. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, in the late 90s, she appeared in The Faculty, Rounders, Deep Rising, which was an underrated movie, and House on Haunted Hill. Which I also enjoyed until the monster was all CGI at the end and it looked like shit. That's the problem with 2000s movies is the moment the CGI comes in, it's like... The, yeah, it doesn't... Especially when up. it's a movie that at the time was like, oh, we can do this. Yeah. And then you see it and you're like, oh... And that's the part that pissed me off about the house on... Did you ever see the house on Haunted Hill? No. Very good, like, really good cast that had... Um, the guy that played Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush, Famke Jansen, it had um, Tate Diggs, okay. um, and Chris Kattan before he fucked his neck up. And he, oh, I didn't know he fucked up his neck. Oh, he fucked his neck up on a skit on Saturday Night Live, and now if you see him in interviews, he's like, almost, it's like pretty much fused and he can barely move. Yeah, I feel bad for that guy. He did like a, a bad fall or whatnot. Um... But, like, the practical effects in the movie are really good and really effing scary. Yeah. And then you get to the monster at the end, and it's this blob of CGI shit. And you're like, oh, why would you do that? Because yeah. it's a remake of an older movie. And the older movie was like, you know, there's a skeleton in the closet yeah. and everyone freaks out. But this one actually had, like, some really creepy effects. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, what's the one with Owen Wilson and Liam Neeson? It's a haunted house movie. It's oh, the haunting. haunting! Yeah. Oh yeah, that one was super disappointing. Yeah. Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. yeah. That like, one just was 100 percent CGI and yeah. it was awful. Yeah, I remember just like I I've never seen the whole thing. I remember seeing parts of it on AMC and just yeah. being like, well, this is interesting, but I'm not gonna vote devote two hours of my time yeah. to it. Um, and it was a good premise. Yeah. And it would have been a great movie, but then they. Put fucking CGI in it. Yeah. It. Just wait. Lucas will come back in ten years when he's done in the wilderness, and he'll be like, "Give me, give me another chance on uh, Attack of the Clones. We've got the technology now. We'll make oh it holographic. God. There'll be four Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, now. it'll be amazing. He's a funny character. I'm telling you, he's a funny character. Just believe me. Well, Steve, it's important to remember that Star Wars is for children. Almost only specifically. Especially Trade Federation deals. We can't get off on a Star Wars change. <laughs> Not for the third episode Not in a row. Not for the third episode in a row. Alright, so. For those of you who are listening, I know Loki Episode 3 has come out. We were going to record this prior... I have not seen episode 3, so we're just going to talk about episode 2. Let's just talk 2, because there's enough to talk about in 2. Plenty to talk about 2. So... Do you think it's Lady Loki or do you think it's the Enchantress? I'm stuck on this because my initial feeling on it mm. is the Enchantress. It seems like a more of the Enchantress. That was my feeling too. It just it has a lot of the hallmarks of it because like Lady Loki is Loki takes over, merges with Lady Sif, uh -huh. and uh, is a very different character with a very different look. And it's not to say that Marvel has always been, you know, uh, loyal to the look of a character in the comics. But um, they've been better about it with more mm. recent stuff, and this is a more recent character. So, especially with, like, the abilities that she's shown so far. Wait, she merged with Lady Sif? Loki did. Loki did. Loki. Regular Loki. Yeah. Because um, that makes me wonder now. 
Yeah. Because in Thor Love and Thunder is the first time Lady Sif is going to be is back. Is she coming in. back? She's going to be back in this movie. Yes. So that makes me wonder, are these storylines going to converge? Well, I have so many questions about so many things because there's this idea of the multiverse, but it's also like... Well, that's what everyone is, is saying she did when she set off all those charges and set all those time branches is uh, she created the multiverse. That was oh, the creation like a multiverse, of the multiverse. Big bang. Yes. Gotcha. That's interesting, especially happening at... Uh, well, I guess the question is, that bomb went off in 2050... How do that? How does that react to retroactive events? Does it react to retroactive? Well, events? if you look at the the time splinter, it was going back. Yeah. In time, also. Yeah. So that makes you wonder: Is that going to change anything? Well, this is the moment where someone smart like uh, Reed Richards says, "Oh, it's a ripple. It goes outwards in all directions." And, yeah. Um, You're not Reed Richards. I'm not. You're still smart. Reed no, Reed. no, no. I'm not. And, I'm not Reed Richards either. No, but at least we have more personality than Reed Richards does. Well, maybe the actors that have played him so far, but that's about it. Well, I'm thinking more the 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 I don't get lost in my work. Yeah. And forget about my wife. Yeah. And my friend. Yeah. Who I turned into a rock monster. Yeah. Yeah. A rock monster. He turned the thing into Ben Grimm. Yeah. He didn't turn him into the rock. Well, monster. he he orchestrated the mission that turned Ben huh. Grimm into a rock monster. Ben volunteered. He knew what he was getting into. I don't think he knew exactly what he was going to He didn't know he was going to have a rock cock by the end of the thing. Um, going all the way back to, uh, to uh, oh, Mallrats. <laughs> oh, that's right. Dude, I haven't seen that movie in so freaking long. I thought you were referencing it. No. No, you. that's just how your brain works. That is how my brain works. <laughs> that is my um, one of my few things I love about um, Captain Marvel. Was Stan Lee was reading the Mallrats script. Yes, that, that was, was good. Pretty amazing. That was a good. Kevin cameo. Smith said he bawled like a baby when he saw I that. I bet he theater. did. I bet oh he did. God. Um. So what? What do you? What's your take so far on this? Owen Wilson, Tom Hiddleston, like camaraderie type thing. Do you think it's working? Playing I, off one another. The the whole thing smacks of the Wizard of Oz to me. It's. Okay. I feel like there's a curtain that's going to be pulled aside, and all of a sudden, you're going to see that this is not nearly what it seems to be, and yet, and yet, I I can't help but feel like there is this huge anchor at the back end of this because this is a power that exists outside of the multiverse. We yes. have confirmation that exists outside the multiverse. Yes. So. Therein, it has to be coming from somewhere. Is it? Is it? Is it the the um, what do call it? Is not the Eternals. The next Celestials. Level. The Celestials. Could is be. it? Is it something bigger? Is it the Beyonder? It could be the Beyonder. Because that's a character that eventually will have to be introduced into this. I would love if it was the Beyonder. Because they would have to introduce him. That, I. That's. I mean, the Beyonder is just how you you do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You don't even have to care. And anymore. I thought about this. Mm-hmm. If you look at his depiction in, in the comic books, especially um, Secret Wars, mm-hmm. he is our way to get Henry Cavill into the MCU. You want him to play the Beyonder? Because the dark hair, muscular, he would be the perfect Beyonder. He would make a very good Beyonder. I have to agree. And with I you. want, I, listen, I am a massive Henry Cavill fan. Yeah. And I want him in everything. And so I want him in the MCU, guys. He would, he would look good. They as... ruined him in the DCEU. Now I want him in the MCU. Well, they've, they've got a soft restart now. We'll see a if they do anything. Soft restart. I am, I, I am being cautiously optimistic because of what I've heard about the Flash and also the like what I've seen of the costume so far in the next Shazam. Because uh-huh. I did, I really enjoyed the first Shazam. Shazam was good. So I'm kind of. Shazam was like Guardians of the Galaxy. It knew what it needed yeah. to be. And it was that. I just don't... I don't know if there's that clear vision that there is in the MCU. That I still don't know if there's that unified oh, vision. definitely not. <laughs> definitely and that's not. the problem. Yeah. You know? It's still it's still a cart being pulled in several different directions. Because, uh, which... like, Suicide Squad has a much different tone than... Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it probably be similar. Shazam is not going to be as violent, but it'll be kind of humorous. Actually, the Flash is going to be humorous too, kind of. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Which there's a 
a rumor going around that um, the TV Flash is going to be in. I was hoping he would be. Because yeah. the um, Ezra Miller Flash was in the show. Yes, he was Crisis. in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. yeah, it was, and it was excellent. It was, yeah. a, it was, a, it was one of my favorite moments of the entire crossover. Ugh. I haven't watched any of this season of the Flash. No, I stopped the the. Those shows are so bad now. I got. They really are. I got like I got through most of last season, and then about twenty when twenty twenty dawned before the apocalypse. Um, Talking about apocalypses and Loki. Yeah, is, is there a COVID apocalypse? Is there that could one be. of the ones that, that could, could be, be hiding in? That could um, be. It's one of the longest apocalypses because <laughs> it's just is this slow, slow burn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I kind of want to go back, but at the same time, I'm also kind of like, well, everybody I care about in the show is leaving, <laughs> so yeah, and I'm kind of done. Like, I'll be honest, it got to the point it was like a drinking game with my wife and I where we would just sit there and be like, all right, let's see how many times somebody has to go out in the hall to console somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of consoling. That became such a, a just a There's a lot of going device. off, like huffing off, being yeah. like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'll go talk to him. Yeah. Oh, I'll go talk to him. And it was just overly dramatic and melodramatic. and It, it got very... The last few seasons have been very uh, scripted. Yeah. And not in, like, a, it's scripted television. Like, yeah. you can see where everything is going from a mile away, and you're not really shocked. Um, they were doing some interesting things last season, but, again, I kind of lost interest by the end. And then it's COVID happened, and their season got... No. Chopped off with three episodes left, so it really is too bad. And freaking, I almost thought CW was going to resurrect their ability to make a solid show with, um, is it Superman and Lois? Is the yeah. name of it? What not? I always want to say Lois and Clark, even though it's I know. Superman and Lois. Um, the first couple episodes of that were really good, but now, like, I watched a couple more after that and started to teeter back down that kind of hokey, yeah. a little too melodramatic rabbit hole, and I was like, God damn! That's where they always go. It's like <clears> um, <throat> it's like one of those uh, cones yeah. sucking in towards the metal, and it's just like, they can't help it. There's just no. this gravitational pull that's pulling them in, because I felt the same way about Supergirl I watched. I didn't same watch the first season of Supergirl. I never same got Arrow. into Arrow. I couldn't do Arrow. I liked, like, the first couple seasons were good, and they were super violent, and he was, like, literally killing people. And then they brought in like a team, and then there was this love triangle, they and it just off. oh it yeah it was such a shame too because Stephen Amell who played um, Green Lantern was or Green Arrow was awesome yeah and he would have made a really good one on the film. It was interesting to me because it wasn't Green Arrow; it was Batman as Green Arrow. Yes, which was very fascinating because I like Green Arrow like the jokey, hammy, yes. having fun kind of guy. Who's also like down to earth, salt of the earth, you know, mm. guy you want to get a beer with, and uh, this era was not that. No, I, he was I miserable. Like, I like my Ali Queen a little lighter, thank mm. you. Um, so uh, that said, uh, I want to talk about something else with Loki. Yes, because uh, are you saying we got off on a tangent? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just trying to write. We're this talking about the Flash and Arrow. <laughs> We're supposed to be talking about Loki. Uh, so. Last week, yes. I said that I was, at this point, with it, when it came to Kang the Conqueror, yes. I was looking for names. I was just like, I was looking to hear names in the distance, and I got one of the big ones. Princess Ravana. Mm-hmm. Ravana Renslayer. This is going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Unless it's turns out to be one of those things where Marvel sets up no because they they cast the character of Kang no I know but like this is this is it yeah. this is what I don't know if this character is going to get caught in a time crisis in this season or not but for anybody out there who mm-hmm. doesn't know Ravana in some canons is the cause of the time war okay because her instability in time is what drives Kang to go back into the past and try and write things mm-hmm. so that she can exist as he knew her so is any of that going to come up i have no idea they might punt on all of that and just be like no we just like the name and yeah. you're kind of like yeah that i don't good. think they would because i think they are setting him up to be the big bad i really hope not next. i just they've broken my heart too many times for yeah. me to be like it's not impossible 
It is not impossible. It is not impossible for them to burn Asgard to the ground and have Surtur come out and be a total punt. Mm-hmm. And on all levels, it's it's totally possible that this is see, not going to go anywhere. See, I don't, I don't think that's... Because they had said that Loki is going to have... This show is having massive yeah. story effects on this she next would generation. Have massive effects. And that's the thing. It's like this seems like a setup to introduce this whole series mm-hmm. seems like a setup to introduce this character. Yeah. This main villain who's like the Thanos turning his turning and smiling at the camera at the end of Avengers. Is the first Avengers, that's yeah. right. That's what this whole series is. It's like the movie Avengers and at the end you're gonna have that Thanos turn around and Yeah. And I think that's how they're going to introduce, and that rolls into, which I know Thor, I believe, wrapped filming, and I believe Doctor Strange either did or it almost has. They're, they got to be close to done. But they got to be close, and they have to be working off the storyline. Yeah. They absolutely have to. Well, be. there's no way that this show that talks at length about the multiverse doesn't yeah. have something to do with multiverse of madness, no. even if it's just tonally. By setting the tone of what that is going to look like in terms of how characters come in and out of the reality, in terms of the impacts to reality, in terms of the structure that we're building right now to allow for that. We're building mm. this wing onto the house to allow for this slide. Mm. It, it almost seems like like we're redoing a wing of the house. And I'm really, I, I would be very happy to see more interactions between Doctor Strange and Loki because that yeah. short interaction they had in Thor... Um, Ragnarok, Ragnarok was awesome. Yeah, it was so much fun, and I would love to see them have that kind of messing with each other. Thing yeah, That'd no, be awesome. He, uh, the uh, this is what I've always found interesting about Doctor Strange is that he he grew so mightily between his yeah. movie and that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was the directing or if it was something else. The fact that he was a more limited role, but that character became much more the Doctor Strange that I recognize. Yeah. Like, Doctor Strange is still the one movie from the MCU that I don't own. I guess now also far from home. Um, but even my my hated homecoming is mm. in my library because I share it with a friend of mine. And there you go. he wanted to get it for his kids. And there I was like, you can spend your money on it. There you go. <laughs> you love it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I'm very curious to see where this goes. And I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Stephen Strange show up here. I feel like he should be included in some capacity. You would think so. But again, it's it's like we're working... I, I kept on going through items that could have this level of impact, right? Mm-hmm. On, on multiverse tiers. And even something like the reality Infinity Stone can't work outside of its own reality. Mm-hmm. Something like the Odin Force might have effects on a time stream, but it wouldn't necessarily have effects... Like, it theoretically could have effects mm. on a multiversal level. But, like, who else is coming around with this kind of power? Because I don't buy the Timekeeper thing. The Timekeeper thing mm. reeks of Pantomime Horse. But this yeah. is too big to be a Pantomime Horse. So what yeah. is it? I think it's King. I just think it's King. Yeah. It's, it's got to be. I guess we're going to see. I guess we're going to see. All right, folks, so next week we will delve into episode three. I promise I'll have watched it by then, but we have something big to get to first. All right, so segment two. Mm -hmm. We are both very excited about this. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Werewolf Day. It's Werewolf Day. And werewolves just happen to be our favorite monster Yes. And we discussed about, you know, some movies. I, I had Al watch a couple that he yeah. had not seen. Um, but there's a lot that we had seen, and I want to delve deep into this. And we are going to start with, what is your favorite werewolf movie? I've been, I've been deep in the, the werewolf pits the last few days, catching up on werewolf films. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I watched almost double feature. Did you end up watching that where? I started it. I didn't have I was... time to finish it. I started it and I was like, "Oh, I see where this is going." But I yeah. just watched two movies that are exactly like this, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not gonna like jump in on it. Um, I might go back and check it out because the French are crazy, mm. so there might be something. And it's weird; there. It's, it's all French actors and it takes place in France, but then or France, but then you have 
the blonde hair American yeah. woman from Criminal Minds. It's like, the lead. <laughs> the lead, yeah. which is a little weird. Yeah, but, and they, they like try and address it up front, and it's just like, no, yeah, you just strange. cast the wrong person. We just needed somebody. They wanted to put a name, an American yeah. face in there. Even so. if it was a barely American name. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I my favorite, it's, mm. it's uh, Werewolves of Thursday today, uh, as we're recording this. I love me American Werewolf in London. Yes. I, I, that is to me the, it's like the best monster movie for me, at least in this, in this element of monster movies, you know, because you have like kaijus and you have like the, the supposed universal monsters and, Mm. um, everything else with zombies and such. Like, this is the one though, that every element of it works. Mm. You have this great story with this great writing you have a character that you really care about. Mm. You have uh, John Landis directing. You have these amazing practical effects. You have this ongoing funny character who is also kind of deeply upsetting because he is the ghost of a mauled friend <laughs> who is mauled and then decaying and then a skeleton. And it, But like every element of that movie is so... Well, think about this been 40 years since 1981 40 mm-hmm. years since that movie came out yeah. and no one has been able to best that werewolf transformation no it is In so good 40 effing it years. is so good it is so painful and upsetting because you can see how upsetting it is to the person um and like that that character that guy the lead i don't remember his name we'll call him danny i don't remember. uh david kessler it was david. played by david naughton huh. um but uh he is he's like a he's a perfectly cromulent hero. Mm. He's not like the best, but at the same time, you don't necessarily sit there wanting these terrible things to happen to him. And you know, between that and the subway scene at the end, oh, it's, that is so good. There was a few years there where I watched it for Halloween. And yeah. it was, oh my god, it's so good. It really is great, and the gore effects are oh, awesome. they're so good, they're so good, they're so very good. brutal. And Frank Oz shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I was watching it for the first time, and uh, I he he comes in, he plays the doctor, yep. and he starts talking, and I'm like, why do I why do I recognize that voice and not the face? And I was like, oh, it's Fozzie, yeah. <laughs> it's Fozzie, Doctor Fozzie Bear, Doctor Fozzie. Um, no, I love that movie. Uh, the only reason I don't give it my number one is because even though the werewolf transformation's great, the actual they don't. He's referred to it as more of like a demon wolf. Yeah, it's not like a wolfman wolf. Yeah. It's like a walk around. And if horse. you watch now, the puppet has not aged well. There are definitely some scenes where you're like... Ooh. Especially at the end. Because you yeah. don't really see him. They pull a good Jaws throughout the majority of it where you don't see it. Yeah, it's not until he's backed out into that alleyway yes. where you see a lot of the puppet and you're like... But even when it's like running through the street at the end, you can tell that half of it isn't there no and it's just like someone moving the arms because you can see it so i think that's the only thing that keeps it because that transformation is fantastic and griffin dunn who plays jack who's the decomposing guy he is awesome and he's funny so good um and it's like it's it's a fucked up movie because it's kind of comedy but then you have like the scene where the nazi monsters break into his house in his dream and shoots his family yeah with like machine guns and it's like what what is going on is un just insane movie. Yeah. Um, mine is one that you watched and you appreciated. It is uh, 2002's Dog Soldiers, directed yeah. by Neil Marshall. Yeah. I love that movie. It was good. I love the interaction between the um, military guys. Oh my god, that was the best part. Oh, it's so good, it's especially so in the good. beginning when they're all talking about wanting to watch soccer yeah. and like, pissing off. But then the werewolf transformation, like the transformations, you don't really see. No. But the werewolves are. Cool. They're like the tall, yeah. kind of like the howling. Yeah. S- similar kind similar. of design. Very similar. Um, very violent. Very violent. Super gory. <laughs> the fact that at one point the sergeant is literally holding in his guts yeah. as he runs for his life. And there's just like a 20 minute period yeah. where he's just holding, holding in his, his guts. guts. So good. Oh my god. So good. And it's it really, if you look at it, it has some great actors that we've seen in like... Oh yeah. Uh... Other movies, TV shows, Game of Thrones, that one that played the big bad. Yeah, Liam Cunningham played the Onion Knight in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. 
And uh, the one that struck me, because I was going through the cast list, mm. I recognized the sergeant. I wasn't sure from where. He was in Gotham. Yeah. He played Alfred in Gotham. He, his dad was the third Doctor Who. No kidding. Yep. Oh. John Pertwee, I think is how you say the yeah, last name. that sounds right. He was the third Doctor Who, and that's his dad. Wow. Yeah. But what's funny is that the guy that plays Coop, Cooper, mm. uh, did the voice of Thomas Wayne in Flashpoint. That's right. And so you have Thomas Wayne and Alfred Pennyworth fighting side by side against werewolves. And Coop is also Poseidon in, in the Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson movies. Yes. That's right. That's yes. right. He was also on some shitty TV show he was. playing a doctor in yeah. America. I can't remember. Yeah, that. I think it was like a, he was a time teleporter person. Maybe that was a different show. I don't remember. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I can't remember if it's ever showing that. Um, it's like 24, but different. So I have a couple honorable mentions. And yes. one of them people will find odd because it's not truly a werewolf movie, but it is. Um, I love The Howling, which you've seen. Mm-hmm. Another really good practical werewolf transformation. That was the best part of that movie. Yeah. Great part. Great part. Um and then it was kind of a B, can't be kind of yeah, B movie. Yeah, there was there was a lot of elements of it where I just wanted it to give me more. Yeah, it kept on like presenting these kind of timid ideas, which weren't you know bad. They weren't necessarily super creative. Yeah, and it's like okay, but like elaborate on it. And then when it gets it like towards the end, is when it starts to pick up steam. Yeah, yeah. And don't ever watch the sequels. I wasn't gonna, but now I definitely won't. Because they're horrible. And because the second one kind of goes along with the storyline because it follows the woman who's the the temptress werewolf mm-hmm. at the end. Kind of follows her a little bit. But then after that, it gets... None of it connects to this movie whatsoever. And there's like in Australia and they're like dingoes. It's weird. Don't ever watch the sequels. They're that's, terrible. That's not how you reinvent a genre. No, they're terrible. That's, that's a bad idea. But my other honorable mention is Wolf, the Jack Nicholson no movie. No kidding, because I've heard only very mixed to do It is. It's because it's not like this bloody, gory werewolf movie. Yeah. It's one of those very slow-moving, but he plays such a great creepy... Because he plays a guy who gets bit by a wolf. And, uh-huh. Um, he starts to like get these wolf characteristics and then he has these blackouts at night where he's you can see him like starting to kind of turn a little bit mm-hmm. um and it's a re- he's awesome jack nicholson is awesome equally great performance by james spader who plays <laughs> the douchebag but becomes the main villain werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's re- like there's a scene where Michelle Pfeiffer plays Jack Nicholson's love interest in the movie. Yeah. And there's a scene in a police station at the end where Spader had started to turn a little bit. And she's in the police station. He comes in to talk to her and he's got like the yellow eyes and he's got a little extra hair. So he doesn't like he would tell yeah. us he's messed up. But he plays it so, like, super spader creepy <laughs> that you're, like, you're watching, like, holy shit, this guy's creeping me the fuck out. Like, it's awesome. It's so good. But when I, you gotta tender your expectations. I think that's what a lot of people went in expecting, oh, Jack Nicholson's gonna, like, be tearing people's throats out, he's gonna turn his big, ain't that movie. It's a very slow burn. But it's a very well-made slow burn that has some really great parts and great scenes. And um, like I said, it, you're mainly watching it. It's like it's like the actor's werewolf movie. Yes. Okay. Very much like that. Yeah, but which it makes is, sense because it's Mike Nichols. It's Mike exactly. So very underrated. I highly recommend seeing it. You know, because there, I love most werewolf movies. Like I know you'll probably bring up the Wolfman, which we say, love. Yeah. Um, once again, kind of. Fucked because of the CGI transformations. Yeah, you have the solid practical effect of the werewolf, and then you have the. I so that was going to be my one of my honorable mentions because mm-hmm. uh, the this is the 2010 yes. Wolfman. This is I'm about to lose a lot of cinema credit because I'm not talking about the Lon Chaney Junior Wolfman. I am talking about which are solid, it's but they're perfectly fine. I like Claude Rains. I'll watch Claude Rains yes. in anything. Um, 
Lon Chaney Jr., not great in the role of an English gentleman, as he has absolutely zero accent throughout the entire well, movie. Well, he, he played off the I moved to America. And I guess, yeah. I'm with that, you know, yeah. kind of what they did with Benicio Del Toro doesn't really have yeah. that accent either. No, it's, that's also true. That's one of the things is, like, I love Benicio Del Toro in the yeah. movie, but him and Anthony Hopkins are totally miscast. Yeah. They should not be in this movie. Well, Benicio Del Toro, I think he produced it. Like, he, this was, like, his passion product. So they should, yeah, they should have got like Andy Garcia or something. Or to somebody play the else besides. Someone that looks similar. Similar and yeah. isn't like only moderately older. Yeah. Like, I, I love Anthony Hopkins. He should not have been in this movie. Because, yeah. like, I can see Benicio Del Toro doing the Wolfman role, and he plays that role really, really well. Yeah. The scenes in London where he's in the, surger, the surgery theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. God, that's so good. That's still one of those scenes where I can still see yeah, it in my mind. It's awesome. so good. Um, but the last part of that movie really falls on its face. Yeah, It really doesn't know how to end. It turns into this really stupid fight between two werewolves and... Oh, it turns out yeah. my dad killed my mom, and it's like... Okay. And I don't understand why it was necessary to change the story. Bad ending. Bad ending. Because, yeah. like, the original Wolfman, say what you wish about the Lon Chaney Jr., but I like that story, how you, his father was just his the guy. His father ends up being the one that kills him. Because he loves him. Yeah. You know, once again, they had to, you know, there was a love interest in the other one, too, but it was, you know, the father was a concerned father. He yeah. wasn't this crazed other werewolf that no. turned, turning everybody and all and, that. And, 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 like, out of nowhere and for no reason, and it just doesn't work within the body of the yeah. story. It feels... It feels clumsy. Yeah. It feels hammy. That said, I really like the first three quarters of that movie, and it has Emily Blunt in it, and she's also it super doing gory. a much better job than that movie deserves. Yeah, yeah she was great in that movie. It is, it is. The, but that was so gory. And yeah. I loved seeing his uh, Anthony Hopkins, like, assistant or, like, house servant or whatnot. He was awesome. Yeah. Like, I thought he was kind of cool. Yeah. But, no, I agree with you. And it, it completely fell flat because it just... They should never have changed the story. Yeah, the ending doesn't make just sense. no reason. I remember getting to that ending the first time I watched it and just being like, what is this? And then you watch, like, I've watched the extended editions at your, uh, off your library. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's And right. I, I, again, I got to the end of it, and I was just like, even with the extended edition, I like it. I like everything up into this crappy ending. Mm. <laughs> this ending is garbage. You gotta figure out some better ending than... Uh, whatever this was, so they should have just ended it when he broke out of the sanitarium yeah. and he's howling at Big Ben, and there's the London Bridge right there. Or like, ha- like keep, the end of the- keep going down that road. Have the rest of the movie take place in London. Yeah, there you go. Have them hunting him in London because I I liked uh, has nothing to do what's with his nuts too that played the inspector. Yeah, um, Hugo oh, Weaving. Yes, yes. He was awesome. Again, way great character. Way better actors than yes. than the material that they necessarily had yeah. but like that would have been so much more interesting because that's that's much more thrilling to me yeah because like one of the the things about uh watching all three of these movies because i watched the howling and dog soldiers and uh bad moon mm. and i will say i liked bad moon a lot uh it was one of the most emotional experiences i've ever had watching a movie it was a it's a good b movie well, like that's a good example of a very good B movie because it's it's a B movie in a lot of ways. So the acting, the acting was terrible. Well, Michael Pere is, and so same with what's uh, what's her face, uh, uh, Muriel Hemingway. There, they so when he walked on screen and he says his first line, my first thought was, "Oh no, so bad. I'm not gonna have to listen to this idiot for the rest of the movie, am I?" Yes. And yes, the funny are. part is the best acting he did is during his transformation scene where she comes out into the woods. Yeah. Like, he actually is kind of creepy there, and, like, he did a good job there, but the rest of it... Well, it's so fascinating because there's so many elements of it where it's like, this could be deep. This could be interesting. When he's crying when the police show up at his house because there's been the mauling near his property. He knows that it was him. And, And it's just like, he's struggling with his humanity, but at the same time, he seems so gleeful. Yeah. In getting rid of it, that you're just like, so is this a struggle for you, or are you just totally well, it seems going like for he's, it? 
anti it until it starts to like get into his blood and he starts the transformation then he starts to enjoy it but like even when the dog shows up because like the dog pees on his oh yeah on his house so he goes and pees on the dog's house and like all these other things and it's just like i'm just sitting here like you don't seem super broken up about a lot of things here and i get it the idea is that you're losing your humanity and everything but a better actor would pull this off better yeah and this guy was not a good actor that said they did the one thing that will always get me to care about a movie, which is have the lead be a dog. The Fucking badass dog. And I don't like dogs, and that sucker was badass. I, I literally had to hold my dog while I'm watching this movie. Um, and it wasn't even like the big fight at the end. That was one of the moments where, you know, when you're a kid and you're watching a movie and it gets intense, and your parents are like, don't worry, it's just makeup and yeah. whatever. I was doing that. I was like, don't worry. The dog's fine. Yeah, the dog's fine. <laughs> it's just makeup. It's just makeup. Um, but, like, I was holding my dog close when they came to take the dog away. Oh, my God. To euthanize it because it had supposedly bitten the uncle. And I was That's just right. like, and I was just like, that was the scariest scene in the entire movie for me. See, I don't know. That jump scare at the end where she's petting the dog and that it jumps good. up like a yeah. werewolf adder. That scared the shit out that of me. That was good. So I was not expecting that, Yeah. Man. No, I'm glad you watched that though. That that is a that was a good one. It's a really solid werewolf. I would love to see design. A, I would love to see it remade. Yes, with, without the CGI shit and with a better crew. Yes, better actors. Be- retool the writing a little bit, but still have it be centered around this idea yeah. of a family pet of any kind. Yeah, and a werewolf because yeah. that's a fascinating process. No, that was awesome. And you can go places with it. That was really good. Um. What was your opinion of, have you seen the Ginger Snaps movies? I have not. I have not seen Ginger Snaps. It was on my list, but I didn't have time to get to it. They're interesting. They're interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember you having some mixed feelings about them. Well, because it's like they don't know what they want to be. Yeah. They don't know if they want to be like a teen kind of movie. They don't know if they want to be like a gory. Very similar to Jennifer's Body. Did you ever see that with Megan Fox? I like that movie, but it was the same kind of thing. It's like, it was like aiming for this horror, gory horror movie, but then also like the teen drama. They worked it pretty well in that movie. I don't know, Ginger Snaps, I wasn't really into that too much. On a scale so I pushed of, those on like my... On a scale lower. of um, of Breakfast Club to Heathers, what kind of teen drama are we talking about? Like dark, weird teen drama... Or like... I'd say in between. In between? Yeah. Because it... You know, there was that little bit of a Heather's leaning. Yeah. Which I think Jennifer Body did more leaning towards yeah. the Heather's side. Um, but yeah, those... You know, because I was trying to think of what were the worst werewolf movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I put them on the worst list. They're like in the meh list. Um, I've unfortunately seen one Twilight movie. Oh no! And it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And even though I've not seen the other ones with the werewolves, I'm going to put them on my list because they're terrible. But the number one, and I'll never forget this movie as long as I live. Oh, yeah. There was a movie in 1996 called Werewolf. And one of the stars is Joe Estevez, the brother of Martin Short. Yes. And uncle of Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. And it is laughably bad. To where they did try to take it serious. They'll never forget. There's one scene I'll never, ever, ever forget. It was supposed to be like pitch black at night. But it was one of those ones where they obviously didn't have lighting. And so it was like dusk. So you could still see the light. Mm -hmm. And it's like the werewolf came out to attack them. And it was a dude in a bear suit with a werewolf mask on. Like completely obviously. And they shoot him, and he does like a, and like d- does like the jump back, fall onto his back. Yeah, and that was like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So it's it's really bad. Yeah, but it's one of those ones that's like I want to see a bad movie that'll make me laugh. Yeah, that would that would probably be. On. Yeah, I can't honestly think of like a, a particularly bad werewolf movie I've seen. Mm-hmm. I just can't think of any because I'm I'm into werewolves, but like I, I don't have it. It's like I guess you know what? No. Lies and Deceit, the Underworld movies. I have seen a handful yes. of the late era Underworld movies. And those... The last two they made suck. 
uh, real bad. Th- these are the ones I'm speaking yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, they're terrible. They're bad. Yeah. They're bad. The only thing I give them is, and I didn't know this, the werewolves are all practical effects. Yes. Which is awesome. Yeah. Because that's works a, in the first amazing. Two. Yeah. Even Rise of the Lycan isn't bad. Mm-hmm. It's not good, but it's not bad. Uh, but yeah, the first two, like especially uh, William, the lead werewolf in the second one. Yeah. That was a really good, like classic looking werewolf design. And it was like an interesting idea, this idea of the werewolf vampire. Yeah. Like I'll give All them credit for that. All spawning from the one person that yeah. like created the monsters. And like, so I'll, I'll give them credit for that, but then like... You go to fast forward to uh, 20, 2009 through 2012. Oh my God. And I just remember I was at the Dollar Theater and I was watching that movie and I was like, this is a very Dollar Theater movie to watch. It's You pay a dollar, you watch it, and the entire time you're like, there's, there's not going to be anything interesting, <laughs> nothing remotely interesting in this entire movie. And that's the thing, like, Kate Beckinsale had said that she didn't want to do any more Underworld movies after the second one. Because mm-hmm. she wasn't in Rise of the Light. No, she wasn't. But then the second... But then the, they did the Underworld Awakening where she has, like, a daughter. Yeah, that, that was, was the one I saw. That was the first bad one. And then they did another one um, called Blood Wars. Also just yeah. terrible. And I it's like... Awakening. They took this great premise and the storyline... And, like, Michael was pretty much gone. He wasn't in it. He wasn't in it. Like, he died or something. They killed him or something. He came back. I think he did die. Like, it was one of those things where it was similar to Aliens. Yeah. And they they couldn't get the actor, Speedman. I think, uh, Mm -hmm. I know that's his last name. I can't remember his first name. Um, So, like, they got a lookalike to kind Mm -hmm. of play him in the beginning when he gets killed. And it was like, they took this great premise and they just shit on it. Yeah. It's like, why do you have to, like create this daughter it turned into this mother-daughter story and it, it wasn't it didn't work yeah it, no part of it worked and just... and like the sulky kate beckinsale character it's like dude yeah it's only so much of the sulky just dark emo vampire that drives you nuts i, I love the first one i that is one thing that like i i am a little bored of the war between vampires and werewolves. Yes. I'm not as interested in it as I maybe could be. I think it's a little played out at this point. One of my favorites, though, going on that. Yeah. And I thought this up, and I'm kicking myself for... I thought... I think I have this on, on DVD that I should bring to you. Do you ever remember the great series Tales from the Crypt? Yes. Okay. One of my favorite ever was about this boy who was in... Um, an orphanage and he gets adopted by these two people mm-hmm. but he doesn't see them when he gets adopted he, the limo driver picks him up they take him to his house and that night the parents come down and he gets to meet them at night so obviously you're leaning into and all they're doing is just feeding him feeding him feeding him fatting him up fatting him up fatting him up, fatting him up through the whole thing spoilers by the way spoilers to you I know <laughs> you'll still like it when you see it so then one night he's ate enough where they're like, we're going to hunt you now. So they let him out into the night and you see the vampires flying after him. Well, they come up to him and he's like all hunched over on the ground and they're like, oh, what's, you know, something like what's wrong? And he turns around, he's a werewolf and he goes, I'm a werewolf. And the thing I love to eat the most are vampires. And he jumps up and just devours them. And it's awesome. Because you're just like, holy shit, this yeah. is so cool, this little kid. Because you don't know he's a werewolf, but you kind of know throughout that these people are vampires probably going to kill him. Yeah. And then the twist at the end is that the kid's a werewolf and yeah. he turns around and eats him. I will say, speaking of sudden mm-hmm. werewolf turns, uh, another honorable mention, what we do in the shadows. Oh, yeah. The werewolves in that are hilarious. Awesome. And excellent. Awesome. And the way that they're portrayed, yeah. the, the characters. Have you seen the TV show yet? Not? I haven't seen the TV show. Dude. I should. Dude. I need to. It is pure brilliance. They're yeah. working on the third season right now. They have a council of werewolves. I've heard of this. Did you? Did they spoil it for you, though? It's like all of the... It, there's a council of vampires and there are various vampires from media. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you'll watch it and be like, how the fuck? 
fuck did they get that person to come back and play? Because <laughs> it's people that have played uh, like vampire roles throughout yeah. the years, like famous, like really famous ones. You're like, holy yeah. shit. It's it's so fucking good. No, yeah. that show is is absolutely hysterical. And once again, it has a great cameo in um, one or two episodes by Mark Hamill, who plays one of the lead <laughs> vampires in the show. It's like his arch enemy, and it's awesome. Like he he really hams it up, almost looking like um, the Bram Stoker Dracula with the big pompadour. The big pom- and all. Oh, it's so great. Uh... Um, but yeah, no, those those are great. I'm, I'm trying to think of other, like, just jump out at you werewolves. Well, we talked about uh, the Monster Squad. Yes, we did talk another about Another solid Squad. werewolf in the Monster Squad. This is another element of some of these movies I really like. What's that? Is the picking and choosing of mythology. Yes. In Monster Squad, they set up very, very thoroughly that this is what a werewolf is. This is how you kill a werewolf. Yeah. And then the joke is that there's only one way to kill a werewolf, and even if you explode it, it's still going to come back. Yes. And then you have Bad Moon, where the uncle blows the werewolf's head off, and that's good enough. Almost antithetical to the idea of Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the Howling and uh, Dog Soldiers, where they they kind of go over and they're like, you know, these things are true, and these things aren't true, and we don't know about this, but it's not you know, it's not bad to try it just in case. The use of silver is kind of up in the air, whether that mm. works or not. The idea that there doesn't need to be a full moon, that was one of the ones that kept coming back was like people were clearly done with the whole full moon restriction. Mm. And they were like, you know what? They can just turn into werewolves whenever they want. Yeah. And uh, except for dog soldiers, where it was all about trying to get to dawn, and just yeah. dawn never comes. Never came. <laughs> never comes. Um,. That was that was a really fascinating movie, on a lot of it was levels. So good, it was, so good. There were a lot of questions at the end, and I was just like, you know what? I don't really care. Yeah. I, I don't need. It's I don't need fun. explicit answers. So um, honorable mention also. Have you ever seen Trick or Treat? Oh my God! Yes, There's we, that one. Yes, Anna that was. I was. Oh, that shocked me when Such I saw. Such an it. underrated movie. That so good. That was very similar to that other one that you were talking about, where just like when it turns, you're just like, wait, 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 wait. Which is what trick or treat is it. yeah. like. Every time you meet somebody, it you get to know them for five minutes, and then you're like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" Yeah. I remember Dylan Baker is the guy who, that buries people in his backyard. Yeah, and I was just like, "What?" And then he's sucking people's blood as a vampire for Halloween and all yeah. that. No, because that that did get me when he his son was going to carve a pumpkin. It was actually a dude's head. Yeah. And you're like, does the kid? Oh, the kid knows. Oh shit. Oh shit. Kid's going to be a freak now. This is in. Um. Did you ever see... Okay, these are two more Dishonorables, and then I'll let... I feel like I'm doing too much of the talking. I'll let you do some. Um, worst sequel, American Werewolf in Paris. I have not seen Don't this. see it. It is an abortion. Is and it? I am not... I'm not ashamed to use that term to describe this movie. It's just bad. It is. Like, we're talking about CGI messes oh no when was it's this? all cgi this was recent no this wasn't recent this was mid 90s oh I no say. um I, I actually have it right here i can just look it up real quick um i want to say 97 1997 um that's that's the heyday for we'll fix it in post and there's just no way to fix it in post pure cgi crap like every transformation um, backdrops. There's like a scene where uh, the lead actor is um, bungee jumping off of oh, the no. uh, extreme sports, and it's horrible. Oh my god, like it's terrible. Um, but then I have to also throw in, and I mean this 100% with all my heart, god awful Van Helsing movie that Hugh Jackman <laughs> Hugh did. Hugh Jackman, because <laughs> that one where. He only turned when the moon was out, but if it went behind a cloud, he turned back into Hugh yeah. Jackman. I remember watching it at the end, like, what is this? It isn't uh, Kate Beckinsale in that as yes. well? What? The well, because her husband is the one that directed these movies. Uh, uh, her husband at the time, Len the Wiseman. Time. They yes. were married, and so that's why. It's kind of like the Mila Djokovic with Paul W.S. Anderson or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah it was... So bad. It. I still. I have never made it through that movie. It's a movie where I keep going. 
I kept going back. I yeah. haven't gone back to it in like 10 years. But when I was a teenager and it had come out recently, I would see it on cable and I'd be like, I really want to like this movie because there's a lot of elements of it that I want to find interesting. And everybody says it's crap. So now I want to see if it's crap. And I just get about two thirds of the way through and be like, you know what? It's so I'm bad. I'm kind of done. I'm not interested in anything happening here. CGI is so atrocious. And once again, good premise would have been a great premise. The the monks were one aspect of it. Though. Monks were horrible. Just like I couldn't do it, man. And the transformation once again was horrible. And the the only positive that movie has, period, is that it had the best DVD release. Because the special edition of Van Helsing came with the original Wolfman, original Dracula, original wow. Frankenstein on DVD. Wow. And that was like the special box for Van Helsing. And I was like, that's a solid release. Yeah. Because you don't even have to watch Van Helsing. No. If you don't have access to those other movies... This is perfect. You forget about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. No, that's... I can't get through that movie. It's so bad. I can't get through that movie. I... I... I don't know, man. I'm going to go back to The Howling for a hot second and just... Like, there were a lot of elements of that movie that were interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I liked it. I, I don't think I liked it. Um, it it's weird. It, it's... It's a weird well, movie. It's, so it's Rosemary's Baby. Yes. But with no baby and werewolves. Uh, so it's like this werewolf cult. Yeah. And I remember when they start talking to the doctor, I was like, wait, this is the crazy guy from the beginning? He's your doctor? Yeah. This is full of red flags and it's just like every element of it i was just like i'm intrigued where this is going but it's not yeah. going anywhere really it's definitely one of those movies and i agree with you 100 percent that i think it has a soft spot in my heart because i saw it when i was young yeah so when you see that movie when you're young and you haven't really seen a lot of werewolf movies you're like, holy shit. Well, that reveal that it's a werewolf cult is yeah. a good reveal. That's a solid And reveal. It, like the transformation's awesome yeah. and the violence is good at the end. The beginning is genuinely scary when she's yes. in the porn theater and there's the guy in the room with her. That's genuinely upsetting. Yes. But like there were just elements of her as a character where I was just like, okay, I, I kind of need you to not just be this one note character. Yeah. And I like that, like, she had these friends that were investigative journalists that were coming in, but they just got killed off very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> or in the case of the guy, like, he, he ends had up plot armor. At the end and, yeah. yeah. And it all ends up being for nothing. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I get it. And I, I, I get what you're doing. It's fine. It's solidly fine. Yeah. And after uh, Bad Moon, I was just glad to have at least decent acting. Yes. Um, that is the one thing that I'm, I can't help but point out in Bad Moon. The acting is so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, no, Bad Moon is pretty horrific. I want to say um, The Howling was kind of like what a lot of companies did when um, Star Wars came out and they tried to make their own Star Wars. Yeah. I think The Howling was similar to that going off of the success of American Werewolf in London. Mm -hmm. Hence why the practical effect transformation was there. Yeah. They wanted to try to one up American Werewolf, which you can't do, but they you know, they wanted to do some something kind of solid. Yeah. Um well in credit where credit is due, that is spectacular. Yes. And uh, Joe Dante, the director, mm. I, he also did Gremlins, if I remember I believe correctly. So. And it had that same kind of feel where you had like this it also reminded me of the thing. We just have like these quivering pieces that are shaking and bulging. And I really like how they talked about, because they also did what Monster Squad kind of did, but they did their own twist on it. They said, these are the rules, and then we're going to stick to these rules very specifically. Mm -hmm. So you shoot a guy in the head and he's a werewolf, he'll die for a little bit, and then he'll come back. And that just keeps on happening. Mm -hmm. And as it keeps on happening... It's fascinating. But then the ending is just like, oh, yeah, the werewolves don't realize that he has silver bullets, and then they're scared of him, and then that's the end. Yeah. And I was just like, I want you guys to go further. I want you guys to try harder. I, I feel like you need two or three more passes on the script because between the director and the premise, I feel like there's something here. But it's just, you're not 
getting anything yeah. out of this. It was also 1981. So That's also true. That's also fair. Easy. Which, it's funny, my wife just sent me a message that it is a full moon tonight, and we're talking about werewolves. No kidding. No kidding. I expect to get attacked mm. on my way home. Mm. All right, well, we have been talking for way too long, and so oh, yeah? we, need, we need to get uh, moving on with this, folks. So we hope you enjoyed the big werewolf extravaganza as much as we did. I know we were very much looking forward to this episode yes. since we are both werewolf fans. Uh, so next week, I know as of right now, we're going to be talking about Loki Episode 3. And then we are going to have our big discussion on Star Wars Rogue, Rogue One. One. That is our main topic next week. Because I know Al has notes galore. I am going to watch it again also over the next few days just to get on par and yeah. get back to what it is. So, once again, you can find me at staylorbooks.com. Mr. Al, you can be found at? I can be found at uh, jetsomstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. And uh, we will have... I think that's it. I think that's it. I think we're done. I have a good night, friends and enemies. Have a wonderful evening, folks. Bye.